Welcome to the 53rd episode of Delika, a podcast between two friends about the latest in politics, society, and feminism in Indonesia and the world. I'm Stephanie Dankilisan. And I'm Sidian Lee. And this week, I'm back and ready to talk about Indonesian presidential elections. <laughs> Basically, who's going to run our country in the next five years? No big deal. All of this kind of started with the news of Susilo Bambang Yudhoyono, or SBY, former president of Indonesia and leader of the Democratic Party, aligning with good old Prabowo in a coalition against Jokowi, and that's a big deal, in case you don't know. We're going to be talking about the ramifications of this alliance and what it means to Jokowi's presidential bid and just kind of the history and drama that revolves around all of these political power brokers because you know it's not Indian politics if there isn't personal drama involved. Just want to flag to our listeners we're recording this episode on Sunday the 5th of August so a couple of days before the deadline on the 10th for registration so take our analysis slash conversation with a grain of salt it might all be wrong who knows but we figured we should talk about this because it's gonna be a big deal. Get ready for some hot takes. So, here's to it. As some of you may know, or some of you may not know yet, this period right now, from the 4th until the 10th of August, is the period when uh, political parties in Indonesia can start registering their presidential candidate for next year's presidential elections. And obviously, we already know who's going to likely be their candidates, um, Jokowi and Prabowo. And now, the parties are actually registering and creating coalitions to sign up and get ready for next year. So the parties have to nominate who they want as the political leaders of Indonesia? Yes. Can they change their mind at some point after they choose to side with whomever if they want to change those candidates or are they like set? They are set. The Mm -hmm. 10th is the deadline for their tickets, basically, determining Mm. who's going to be the presidential candidate as well as their vice presidential partner. So what's the big surprise in this registration period or like semi-surprise? What a lot of people have been talking about, it kind of happened out of left wing, mm-hmm. is that earlier last week, former president Susilo Bambang Yudhoyono, or Espeye, mm-hmm. as we call him, has decided to endorse Prabowo and become part of the Prabowo coalition. Why is this kind of big news, I guess? There was rumors that SBA might enter the race, um, but they definitely did not think that he was going to support Prabowo, per se. There were rumors that he was actually going to side with Jokowi, right? Exactly. And there were also rumors that he might, you know, endorse his son, uh, Agus Yudhoyono, who was a candidate for the Jakarta gubernatorial election he lost. Mm-hmm. And so to think that Esbeya was going to join somebody who, for a long time, felt like an ideological opponent or an ideological opposite, is game-changing. And I think even though Esbeya is not as active in the political scene as, say, like Megawati, he's still a big political voice and he still has a lot of power. The thing with Esbeya and Bravo, in my view, is that they're both like giants of the Indonesian political space in terms of mm-hmm. influence and not, not just in terms of political influence, but also... 
the networks that they both have, the political parties they have, and the fact that they have a lot of money and a lot of people who can help support whoever they choose to have as the nominees for the presidential election. I think a big thing, too, that is somewhat surprising is actually SBA faced Prabowo in the election in 2009 when Megawati and Prabowo actually ran together to try to defeat SBA and SBA won. Mm-hmm. One thing to note also is that like it's quite likely that um, Ahaye or Agus Yudhoyono will potentially be the vice presidential candidate because he's younger, he is less tested in the national stage, political stage. So it seems like in terms of slots, a good compromise for both parties. It just seems somewhat odd in terms of how it looks because SBA's party was, I think, generally a lot more moderate and a lot more liberal than Prabowo's Mm -hmm. political stances. So it seems like a convenience in terms of what they both want politically. But somehow it, it does, on a political level, make sense yeah. in terms of Prabowo not wanting to settle. And, and SBA has a son who he wants to ascend to some level of power, but may not be ready yet. For sure. And in Indonesia, I think ideology is uh, malleable and not a defining line in politics. So in that way. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag, do you miss Steph's hot takes? <laughs> I mean, that's definitely true. And I think, you know, uh, one of the things that not too many people talk about because of the unsavory history is that both Espeye and Prabowo are former military generals and they are mm-hmm. very much a part of the long political military history of Indonesia. Right. They actually used to be really close. They both went to Akmil uh, Academy Militar in the early 70s, yeah. 1970, 1973, 74. Um, and they've both been in the military and, you know, rose to the ranks Prabowo was an elite because he was mm-hmm. eventually in-laws with the president of um, Indonesia slash dictator Suharto. And SBA married Ani Doyono, mm-hmm. who is Sarwa Edi Wibowo's daughter. He's a big political general as well in Indonesia who was closely allied to Suharto. So they would have probably been in the same circles of political military elites. Um, yeah. It's just that I think they both chose to take their careers a different way especially post-98, uh, SBA allied with Megawati and became her minister um, in those early days of cabinet. And Prabowo was ousted from power and had a lot of difficult military uh, scandals and for quite some time was kind of had a mark against him. Mm-hmm. And SBA rose to such prominence in 2004, really defeating Megawati by a really large margin, mm-hmm. 60 to 39 percent. And uh, that was sort of a source of a grudge between Megawati against SBA because Megawati was his boss, essentially, right? Yeah. And um, I think to this day, there's still a huge rift between them because Megawati felt that like SBA was a member of her cabinet. He was creating a new party and soliciting power against her. Who And she felt she was the rightful heir to the Indonesian throne. <laughs> It's like that adage of the grasshopper overcoming yeah. and surpassing the yeah. master. So it was a rough one for her. And I think like there's a lot of things if you were an astute political observer, but like you can actually never see them like if they were in the same event shaking hands because like Megawati avoids them. <laughs> this, <laughs> it's like this whole thing. It, it is kind of like a reality show drama in terms of like the tension between those two. Yeah. And actually, 
you know, when journalists and reporters were talking about SBA joining the Prabowo coalition, you yeah. know, he himself admitted that his relationship with Megawati is not great. But he doesn't have and any ill will towards her. It's more like Megawati's like... Of course not. <laughs> but yeah, like with Megawati having such a prominent role in the Jokowi coalition, basically running the ship, there was no way there's room in that coalition to include SBA. You know, like, yeah. So I think that's part of what you're talking about, that it's a marriage of political convenience, because who else, how else is SBA going to participate in the elections other than yeah. endorsing the other guy, basically? So I think uh, what's important to note in the Indonesian political space for those who is less initiated, a lot of politics is more about personal connections and personal grudges Mm -hmm. instead of being aligned ideologically. And people have really, really long time ties, you know, like decades worth of long ties that has to be put into the equation when we're talking about politics in Indonesia because... um, that's the way things are. It like can be understood as a headline in vacuum of what happened decades ago. And our democracy is so young. Like these people have ties that are much longer than our democracy, right? Yeah, yeah, so much longer <laughs> uh. that we can't forget. Yeah. So I think you know, for as a bit of background for listeners, if you haven't caught up yet. Right now, the Jokowi coalition has nine parties, mm-hmm. um, the usual suspects, you know, PDIP, Golkar, and then some uh, smaller parties such as PSI, Partai Solidaritas Indonesia, which is sort of like the young people party, galvanizing the youth vote. Mm. On the other side, Prabowo, with his, uh, now with SBY, has four parties in his coalition, which is uh, Gerindra, Prabowo's home party, the Democrat the Democratic Party, the SBY, mm-hmm. PKS, uh, Partai Keadilan Sejahtera, or the Prosperous Justice Party, and PAN, Partai Amanat National, or the National Mandate Party. And these four parties are sort of like staunchly nationalistic, I would say, in terms of their direction. And certainly with, say, like PAN, they also have political figures and leadership that has been around for a long time, such as Amin Rais and the current uh, speaker of the MPR, Zulfiqi Hassan. Mm-hmm. And PAN as well is a party that is Islamic-leaning in terms of its ideology. And so we're seeing the Prabowo coalition lean more towards a what uh, some members of the coalition have called a nationalist religious ideology and philosophy in terms of how they're presenting themselves, as opposed to, say, like Joko's coalition, which is more broad and quote-unquote more moderate and or liberal, even though obviously there are some, there are some coalition parties that are not that liberal, mm-hmm. but when, when compared to the Prabowo coalition, it's much more moderate. Mm-hmm. And I think that will be very significant as we approach the election in this current political climate where you know, things are still heated after the controversy and all of that, right? It's yet to be seen what it'll actually end up happening and what political lines will be drawn at this point. If you can be hopeful, it would be that AHAYE and SBA could have a moderate impact on Gurindra and Prabowo's more hardline 
responses, and it could kind of shift that this dialogue elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if we've seen how Ahaye responds to things in the past gubernatorial election, he has not stooped to the level of Anis, etc. I mean, that's a name we haven't actually brought up yet. You know, there were talks when Anis got the gubernatorial position yeah. that this was actually a stepping stone for him in the upcoming presidential elections. But let's be real. He's like kind of drowning in Jakarta right now. Like <laughs> He's not doing well. His popularity is not doing well. Mm-hmm. Not to say that he won't have political ambitions, yeah. but I think, you know, the Prabowo coalition is probably... Like, maybe not. Maybe next time. And also, like, they need that extra votes in parliament. They need a better, bigger coalition. They can't... They've tried to do this in the past without you know, other big parties, and that, that has failed them. Yeah. This could be a way for Prabowo to really come back. Um, I think this is the closest he has been to real political power, back to the way he wants it. Um, and that's kind of scary, honestly. Yeah, we thought the 2014 election was close. Right. This is, I think, is going to be a real close. And in fact, some survey organizations have started doing electability surveys. What's and- the survey set? Um, one of the surveys that was done by the Alvara Research Center, um, and they did the survey from July 20th to the 28th, they did a national random sampling survey involving over a thousand people. And their results in terms of electability of a president, Jokowi is 48.4% mm-hmm. as opposed to Prabowo's 32.3% which in the grand scheme of survey results is a really tight race. He's not even past the 50% mark. And Jokowi has the incumbent advantage, right? Mm -hmm. Which also can be a double-edged sword because sometimes, you know, people want to change the incumbent just because they're bored of the incumbent. And that's always going to be a risky, you know, it's it's interesting how he's going to leverage the fact that he's incumbent. It's been a long four and a half years. I can't believe it's been... That long, in a way. Yeah. It feels like longer. And I bet that's what it feels like to a lot of people. There are a lot of problems in not just politics, but economics in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. SBA had a real income advantage because he oversaw the largest economic growth in Indonesia, I think, that any modern president has faced over the last, in one presidential term. Um, the world markets were doing really well. And under his leadership, there were good market decisions that were made as well. So... Indonesia was really in a good place in 2009 in terms of its economy. So when he was supposed to be reelected, it was kind of like he won by a pretty good margin. He won by like 60 percent. And that was with Jeka and Megawati, um, <laughs> like both being in that election. So that's a three party race. Right. So for sure, that's huge. Like he didn't have to go to round two for those elections with three party elections. It was just like a resounding victory. Um, so. Yeah, like, it could also be, like, this is also enough of a time that people miss or people think that things were in SBA were better economically. Maybe he could help the country again in that way. So it could be a smart move on Prabowo's part, you know? Mm-hmm. I think I think it's, like, a bigger win. If we see winners and losers of this, of this outcome, like, I think the biggest winner is Prabowo yeah. because... There was no way Prabowo could do any better <laughs> at this moment than being allied with um, SBA. Mm-hmm. SBA is a very strategic, smart player with a lot of political power. So mm-hmm. it's, he has a good ally and a good fellow strategist. 
and it's it's going to be a really interesting fight um, with Jokowic. I mean, you make a good point, right? A lot of people have fond memories of the Esbeya period, and he was a successful, overall, maybe, <laughs> two-term president. He's our only, like, two-term president post the... Um, post our dictators. <laughs> post our many-term president. <laughs> many-term presidents. Suharto and Sukarno both had over 10 years All of right, yeah. democracy. Yeah, presidential, presidential elections weren't really a thing. But <laughs> yeah, no. So many uncertainty. It's just that um, it is pretty a done deal that it's SBA and Bravo now against Jokowi and, and Mega. it's gonna be a. This is gonna be like such a tougher battle than just Bravo before uh, for Jokowi. And I think you know uh, a lot of people have been talking about how the Jakarta gubernatorial election is like a microcosm of what might happen next year, right? And we could see that even though Agus has lost, he had a lot of new support, support that was not going to be voting for aligned with sort of like the Jokowi slash Aho political mindset, right? Mm-hmm. So if you combine the Agus and Anis support, that is a huge support that hasn't been galvanized, hasn't been woken up to start um, activating. And when you activate them, that, especially at the grassroots level, I think that could be really dangerous. It takes time to develop grassroots movements, right? Like yeah. Indonesia is a vast country with like such diverse and far and wide islands, right? So it's it's a lot to take charge of. And I think, you know, something that should be noted about Indonesia is that the local chapters of these parties are incredibly crucial because Indonesia is not necessarily a country where everybody's educated so a lot of it is influenced by the grassroots movement by the local political officials mobilizing people and we can see that with SBA coming in and with the democratic party coming in they have a machine that is equal if not greater than say like PDIP and Golkar and the other parties on Jokowi's side it's gonna be doozy and it's I think very hard for Jokowi to find a running mate that will have the same no, there's no other political running mace that has the same backing as SBA does. Also because Jokowi has alienated a lot of big businesses yeah. through their tax policies, which have been pretty strict and fiscally like a lot more punishing for companies. Um, yeah. So a lot of political big support that is needed for Indonesian Indonesian elections let's just put it that way, uh, is um, sorely lacking. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still going to be some level of support because I think a lot of big businesses have to support both sides, but it's not going to be as definitive as it could otherwise be. And, you know, just like any other kind of political election elsewhere, money talks, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't ignore the the big donors, the big corporations, even though I think that the current government, the Jokowi government's stance has been much more pro-people. Mm-hmm. But pro-people, you got to kind of sort of like balance the pro-people versus like not alienating, as you said, the corporations and the big funders. I'm not entirely sure if they'll go and embrace SBA and Prabowo completely either, but certainly it's, you know, Jokowi's government is giving them a choice. 
both Jokowi and Prabowo, both sides, as do most politicians in Indonesia, have to do some kind of populist leanings. Mm-hmm. Like populism is like a very big, important rhetoric as part of Indonesian politics. It's just like who is the populism for, and then under what terms, right? For Jokowi, it's definitely like more pro. Rakyat biasa or the ordinary folk, right? Mm-hmm. And that's done by policies like raising minimum wage and um, better labor practices and things that could generally hurt businesses. Um, whereas the populism of Prabowo and Anis have been Islamic populism. So like populism in religious terms, like we've seen in the Jakarta elections. So that's definitely two strands of populism. Like one is almost more democratic socialist and one is more Islamic conservative, like religious conservatism. So yeah, that's that's definitely a thing. And we definitely cannot underestimate the role of religious conservatism in Indonesia. That's there are already representatives from the 212 people, you know, back during the Ahok period, mm-hmm. the people who are protesting him. And all those like extremist Islamic groups who are saying, you know, we're we're going to keep the Prabowo coalition in check so that so that their views and their propositions are going to align with ours if they're going to have our support. And that's not a small thing. I guess um, all in all, like what we can say about the situation is that it's going to be an interesting 2019. <laughs> we say this as two Indonesians who are not in Indonesia right now. Yeah. Right? How does how do you think this makes you feel in terms of like going back home? Uh two things. First is that I really need to register to vote if I am going to be voting abroad because the vote's going to matter. Mm. And for all listeners, for all Indonesians who are living abroad, register to vote. Um the deadline is the 14th. Please register otherwise we're screwed. Secondly, <laughs> I think... Are you also talking to me? I'm talking to you. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to, you know, all the Indonesians who listen to this podcast who are abroad. I know you you exist. Please register to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, but secondly, I think, you know, we're talking about the present elections now in August. We really need to be keeping up with the news. We really need to watch out and keep ourselves informed because if we don't, then our circles and our networks will not be informed as well. And we really need to make sure all Indonesians who can vote are aware of the stakes here because it's not small. Nope. And with that... Go out and vote. I mean, register. But yes, come come 2019. Also go out and vote. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find more information and resources of whatever we talked about on our website, delica.id. Music credits to John Dealey, Lee Rosevere, and of course, Broke for Free. If you like what you hear and want to support us, please review our podcast on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. And please share our podcast with your friends. It's the best way to spread the word about Dialogica. If you want to get more involved, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is dialogicapodcast at gmail.com or just shoot us a message on our Facebook page. You can also find us on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and on Twitter. Please follow us in these various platforms. Our Twitter handle is at dialogicapod. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's Steph Tank. That's S-T-E-P-H-T-A-N-G-K. Thank you again and see you guys next time. Bye!